With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey folks, Samuel Hale here, executive producer of Flags Fly Forever. I wanted to take a moment before we get rolling here to tell you about our Patreon. No, Flags Fly Forever isn't going behind a paywall. You'll still get the podcast you know and love for free on our regular schedule. But if you'd like something a little extra, head on over to patreon.com slash flags fly forever. We've got early ad-free access to the show. You can be in a Discord channel with Mike, John, and I. And hey, we even have openings where you can play in a fantasy baseball league with us. We're also open to add different incentives as we go, so come check us out. It's patreon.com slash flagsflyforever. If you have questions about it, send us a message on Twitter at flagsflybp or an email at flagsflyforever at baseballperspectus.com. That's it for now. Let's get to the show. This is Flag Fly Forever with Mike Gianella, John Hegland, Samuel Hale, and the Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Team. Welcome to episode 216 of Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus fantasy baseball podcast. Uh, this is First Base Week, and uh, with me to, to cover it, as always, is my co-host John Hagland and behind the glass, Samuel Hale. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's, it's thawing here. Our temperatures are up in the 40s, so the snow is starting to melt, and uh, I'm in a world of ice and slush, but I, you know, I'll take it. It means yeah. spring is on the way. Yeah, we we've had it, yeah, and and that's a great thing about this this series. I, I get excited about this this series because even though it's January and it's bitterly cold outside, when we when we start talking, you know, positions, I, I know baseball's right around the corner. I know it, it feels, you know, two and a half months feels like a long time, but I also know it really isn't. Uh, I'll, I'll be in in Florida next month, the end of, of February for labor. I'll, I'll be doing tout wars. I think TGFBI is, if it's the same as last year, that draft should be soon. Right. Although it's a little weird. I haven't heard yeah. anything yet from Justin about the dates. Are they yeah, supposed to get info at the end of the month? If I've read the last email we get. Okay. So I, I remember last year, I think it started around the third week of February around there toward oh, the end I, of February. Okay. I could be wrong. I was, th- I was thinking it started earlier, but I, I could be, misremembering I, I do know that the first year so yeah a lot of lists that like our two listeners who don't know what it is you know tgfbi is the great fantasy baseball invitational uh it, it's this great like league of leagues that that justin mason of, of Fangraphs and friends of fantasy benefits put together um yeah in the first year of of the league I think it actually started like March 1st because I remember I was flying to Arizona for labor and I, ha- I was like on the clock for a pick 
and that's why I, I knew it was a little bit earlier last year because by the time like I was off to labor, the draft was in the 15th or 16th round or whatever. You know, they all go at different paces because it's a slow draft. I, I know there's one league that, you know, people were mad about because it was like stuck because of one person who essentially, I think, drafted like four or five players and, and left. <laughs> <laughs> or, or was or was drafted so slowly that they they pretty much kicked them out because you know the, the the slow draft one pick if 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 the clock runs out or it almost runs out that that's life I mean that's the way it works if if every pick's like that they kind of look at it like yeah that, that's that's not great. <laughs> I'm not gonna I lie to you, want... I'm actually kind of nervous about playing in this this year as it appears that I will be a part of this shenanigans. Yeah, that's exciting. Right. It should be fun though. It's oh, I'm gonna have a year... blast. It's good that you're sitting in on all these these previews, so you're getting a crash course. So. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'm kind of cheating in a certain way, but like, you know, this is the game. I, I'm playing. I'm going to be playing against people that do the exact same thing, and they're going to be very much smarter than I am. So I'm going to have to take tire irons to them to hopefully stop them. Yeah. So this evening's topic is. I don't know, based on the intro, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we've got against the advice of not doing the, the intro and, and just diving in. So we're talking about first base. And, you know, so last week we talked about catcher. We, we did our customary groaning. So so first base is interesting because, you know, there, there's more players here and it, it's it's an interesting position and something I'll add for our, our listeners. You know, we, we did this in the articles that we're, we're putting up at the, at the website at baseball prospectus, where there, there's close to 20 fantasy articles a week about first baseman. Uh, last year, if a player was a first baseman outfielder, we, we included him in outfield week uh, this week, this year, we're not doing that. So, so we're talking about anyone who has first base and outfield eligibility, as well as DHs. We, we throw them here just because there's no great place to throw them. We can't do a DH week unless you want to hear us talk for, you know, two hours about Chris Davis. Maybe some of you do, but I, I think most of you don't. No, um, Nelly Cruz, baby. Yeah. I no, can or, go for or two Nelson hours on Cruz. So, so let, let's start with the five star because, because there were two players here and, you know, this was a pretty cut and dried tier. Uh, Cody Bellinger and Freddie Friedman. Um, any anything controversial about that, John, or is it pretty much like, yeah, that's that's boring. That's that's chalk. You know, but both of them are appropriately ranked. Yeah, I, I really want to find something to critique, but uh, it's it's pretty hard to dispute that these two are head and shoulders above the rest. Although I think what's interesting to discuss is how close they are to each other. Um, ADP has Bellinger as around the fifth pick, whereas Freeman is around the 17th um, mm -hmm. pick. So I'm, I'll, I'll, turn it, I'll turn it over to you. Do you think they should be closer than that? Yeah, so, and we'll get into this when we, we go into the other tiers. I, Bellinger's appropriately ranked, and I actually might have him ahead of Mookie Betts uh, j just because there was so much of that power last year, and, and Betts... Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those dealer's choice things where it's like, well, if you want bets, you want Bellinger. I, I don't think it's a big deal either way. I might actually take Bellinger over him. But Freeman, I might have three or four slots higher just because I, I look at the consistency. Mm -hmm. I look at the lineup. I, I look at the batting average. I, I could see taking Freeman, you know, 12, 13, somewhere there. If I that, that's probably the highest I would go. But yeah, so. I'm really quibbling here and, and I'm kind of looking at, you know, some of the, the players that are, you know, ahead of him. And, and honestly, you know, some of it is just preference or, or strategy. And when you're talking about one position versus another, you know, in the overall ADP, 
that that's kind of what that is. Like I, I think there's a there's a clump of of pitchers ahead of him. If I I think it's like Scherzer, Verlander, uh, Bueller, and not necessarily in that order. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of it. You know, part of it is like well, th- there's been a philosophy of of people grabbing pitchers sooner. And that's kind of what that is. I think people are like, I have to get my ace, or I, I you know, I want to make sure that I, I. And I think particularly, you know, if you're on the turn at the, in the second round in a 15 team league, and you're like, well, if if I haven't taken a pitcher here, at 16 or 17, and I have to wait all the way to the end of the third round, that that's some of what that is. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's a strategic element, but beyond that, if you put that aside, I, I think Freeman a little bit higher is perfectly fine. Yeah, it's interesting looking at the the ADP and a few of the players that are going after him. Like I could see being in drafts where Freeman could slip a little bit just because he's steady Eddie. He's not really glamorous. You know, going right behind him is uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I could see probably some more fluctuation in, in where he gets drafted. Uh, Anthony Rendon, you know, some people might want to push up a pitcher like, I don't know, Mike Clevenger or Jack Flaherty. So I, I, yeah, I, I think I agree that um, he should or he could reasonably go a few picks higher. But I also think there might be a case where you could get him, you know, around pick 20. Uh, in yeah. Some drafts. Well, that, that, that's the funny thing about this list, too, is I say he should go higher. But like, you know, taking those pitchers aside, I, I look at the 13 players ahead of him and I. I'm fine with all of those players ahead of mm-hmm. Freeman, you know, and, you know, it, we're, we're not going to do a full blown ADP, but just like, you know, obviously the big three outfielders, you know, Betts, Bellinger, Cole, Endor, DeGrom, Trey Turner, Alex Bregman, Trevor Story, Juan Soto, Nolan Arenado. I, I have all those players with the possible exception of Soto, like Soto and Bregman are the two where I could see like, ugh, you know, I could go either way, but I'm fine with that head of Freeman. So so that's kind of what it comes down to. I could move Freeman up, but really he's also fine where he is. Like it, it's such a, it's so loaded in the first, in the first round. Yeah, it is. Um, so before we move off five star, I'm, I'm guessing that based on what you've said about Bellinger, that you, you have uh, faith in, in his breakout season that there's not going to, he's not going to be giving much back, um, I mean, yeah. I could see the average, you know, I think the average is the one place where yep. you could see a yeah. dip, but, but yeah, I, yeah the, I could see him hitting like 280, 285. Like, yeah. But yeah, like really, he just looks like a complete player to me. I, I think the power is real. If the ball does change, I could actually see him benefiting just because I don't think he'll lose as much as yeah. some other players just because he's got so much raw power. It, it's, yeah, it, it's just quibbling at that point. And, you know, if I, I again looking at the ADP, if you want to take like Lindor or Turner ahead of Bellinger going the other direction, I could see it. But yeah, I, I don't think I'd go lower than like eight or nine on Bellinger in, in a draft. Although frankly, he he won't be there if you if you wait. No. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he. Um, it's interesting because I and I might have seen him say Bellinger say something to this effect, but. You know, it's like he got he he had such an uppercut swing and then he kind of tamed that a bit and leveled it out a bit, but just enough where it's kind of at the perfect sweet spot for, you know, for hitting for power and improving, you know, his his average. So, yeah, I I pretty much believe in in Bellinger, um, you know, almost 100 percent. 
Yeah, so since that's kind of a, a boring tier and, and I don't know how much advice there is to, you know, give people beyond draft really good players in the first round or the beginning of the second round, let's move on. So the four star tier, I think this will be a little more interesting. It has our, our first couple of DHs um, in order. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, Pete Alonso, Paul Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo, Matt Olson, Nelson Cruz, Jose Abreu, and Josh Bell. Um Let's uh let's start with Josh Bell because I I know mm. that you know John you you wanted to move him down you you were you were down on him I don't know if you wanted to move him to the three star tier I think you wanted to move him to the bottom of this tier if I I remember correctly mm-hmm. um, and you know I made the point about Bell you know there there were a couple of things I I did move him down I was I was kind of fine with that in part because I think this is a pretty fluid tier. But I did make the point about Bell that, you know, I, I think it was uh, Jeff Zimmerman and Fangraphs pointed out, you know, Bell, Bell had a hand injury in late July. At that point, he had a 965 OPS. After that, he had an 858. So I kind of scratched my head. Like, I, I don't know how much of him slipping off was regression, the pitchers catching up, and how much of it was, you know, him playing hurt or, or you know, coming back and his swing was messed up. I don't think we have an answer, do we? I think it's just kind of a matter of we, we have to sort of, like wait and see. Yeah, and I I did the uh, tale of the tape, which um, which appeared uh, today. That is Wednesday as we're recording it. Um, so it you can see that if you're a subscriber. And I and so looking at that, it was interesting because he actually uh, the stretch between his very hot April and May and him hurting his hand in late July, he actually did you know, fall off quite a bit. So even before that hand injury and basically my argument against Bell is just that uncertainty. Like I really don't know what he is and the pirates um, are not getting better. Uh, So I don't know that there's, you know, there's Starling Marte, of course, if he remains with the pirates, you know, there's always, there's always a a Met rumor. Um, It seems like it's, you know, once a week we get that rumor but it's you know it's it's not a, a really stacked lineup um, around him. Uh, I think he's he's much more interesting in OBP leagues. Um, I think that's a pretty stable floor. He's got a 354 career OBP. But I just I just don't because so much of that breakout came in two months, the first two months of the season, and it was kind of up and down the rest of the season even before the injury. I'm just a little cool on Bell in the middle of that tier. And I think, you know, you have him correctly. Well, I was wanting to suggest, so of course I agree, you know, very smart place to put it, Mike. It's, you, yeah, you, uh, I, you agree I, with me completely. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm a little higher on him, but, but again, you know, we'll, we'll dive into this in the tier. I, I think it's more a, well, one, I, I had Cruz at the bottom of the tier and, and in retrospect that that was, I should have had him higher, which he is. And we'll get to that. But really, like between Olsen, Cruz, Abreu, and Bell, I, I feel like this tier could almost be divided in two, where you could go from Alvarez down to Rizzo, and then Olsen to Bell is, is kind of the second half. Like if we were really, you know, cutting this up like that, I, I think that's the way I would I would do it. And, you know, the funny thing about that is that, you know, Rizzo, Goldschmidt, and Olsen are all really clumped together in, in ADP right now, I think they, the last I looked and I'm, I'm trying to find it now, like they were all in the, in the sixties or, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And, 
you know, then you go down and, you know, Cruz is, is I just think, way too low. But, like, Cruz is closer to – and I'm pulling this up now. Yeah, so Rizzo 63, Olsen 67, and, yeah, Goldschmidt 69. You can throw out your obligatory nice there. Um, yeah, Cruz is 97. Bell is 89. Yeah, and Abreu is, like, right – and I think Abreu is a little higher. But – that's kind of how I see it. I, I see those players as, as kind of really clumped up. I think Olsen might be too high for a little bit too high yeah. for me in drafts. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't have a problem like putting Bell there, but I don't really have a problem putting Bell ahead of Cruz either. And the ADP kind of reflects that as well. Yeah. In that group, I, I kind of think Rizzo is a little undervalued there because I feel like you're getting a similar profile to Freeman, but like at an 80 to 90% output. Um, but I, I, you know, that average really, you know, it's, it's not, um, well, his career is, is 273, but in the last two years, he's at 283 and then 293 last year. Um, so I feel like it's a really stable profile and he's someone who slips a little bit kind of, you know, like, like Freeman, because it's not that exciting. Um, you know, there, we're looking at, uh, let's see. Uh, seven seasons with at least 613 plate appearances. So, right. um, yeah, if you have a little risk early in the draft and you can get Rizzo and say the, I don't know, I, I I'd take him in the fourth round, I think. In yeah, I mean, he, draft. I mean, I mean, he plays, you know, he's, he's consistent. I, I think the point I've kind of made about Rizzo is that by, you know, by hitting, 27 home runs he he sort of stood still when everybody else was was popping more long balls sure that was kind of his that was kind of my problem with him and you know the weird thing is you know both by drc and wrc plus he he actually had his best year since 2016 it just wasn't reflected you know in in the fantasy stats now if you're in an obp league and it got on base at a 405 flip that's that's great and you've got to be super happy about that but if you're an average league, that, that 293 helped. It just wasn't nearly as impactful. So I, I think Rizzo's okay, but I'm, I'm probably not quite as high as you are. You know, the funny thing is the the hitter out of between Rizzo, Goldschmidt, and Olsen, I think Goldie is is kind of the guy that I, I still like here. And mm. it, it's sort of the opposite argument. So Goldie also consistent. You know, he's played 159 games or more every year since 2015. Yes, the steals have dropped off, and I think that's a concern. Um, the average dropped off last year. To me, that's a larger concern because, you know, he clearly had a down year. Um, you know, his worst year since his first full season in 2012. But overall, I, I just look at somebody that's like, well, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get 30 home runs. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get close to, you know, I'm looking at Steamer. I'm going to get 30 home runs, 90 runs, 90 runs batted in. You know, it looks like his running days are over. I think the average bounces up somewhat. Um, like Steamer has him at 273. I think he'll do a little bit better than that. I I, I just kind of lean Goldie a little more because I think there's a, a slim chance that he kind of like the average comes all the way back. And in that case, I, I kind of give him a slight advantage. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's fair. He's actually going after Rizzo. So so I, I can I think you've made a good case. Um I still might take Rizzo. Um, I could, but... I mean, I could see it. it and again, I, I think uh, of the three of those hitters, Olsen's the one that he, I, and I like Matt Olson. Like it's, it's sort of the funny thing. I'm, I'm a big Matt Olson fan, but judging by his ADP, so is everybody else. And it, it feels to me like it, that's, 
you're drafting him pretty close to his ceiling unless you're, you know, unless you think he's going to hit 50 home runs and go off and, and win a home run title. I know he's got the raw power to do it, but we've also seen Matt Olson for a few years and it, it feels like this is mostly what he is. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at your, your value, the values in mixed league and, you know, he was, he was 1052 and I just don't know how much more upside there is. Like, I don't think the average is going to climb up to help him no. there. And, you know, yeah, he can't run, you know, so it's, he it's, can't run. Well, and so his Pete, runs are, it's Pete Alonso. Like how, how close can well, he get to Pete Alonso? Like that's, that's kind yeah. of the question. That's actually, and I, I know we got to move to, to the next tier, but, bef- but we haven't talked about um, Pete Alonso. And so I don't know. We, I feel like we've talked about him a lot on other, uh, you know, other, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, editions of this podcast, but uh, is there anything more to say than, yes, he's a great power hitter, but he's very overpriced at the 30th overall pick? I mean, that's that's most of it. And, you know, maybe he's not very overpriced. Like, he, for me, he's around too early, I, I guess, if that's way overpriced. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would probably rather have him, like, at the back end of the third round as opposed to the back end of the second round, which is, I, I believe, where he's he's going. And, you know, my, my concern about Alonzo, so, you know, obviously I watch a lot of the Mets, and again, I know we've talked about this, so we're not going to talk about it, like, ad infinitum. I, I felt like he was getting less to hit because the pitchers are like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not throwing this, this guy's stuff where I know he's going to hit it, like, 450 feet. And he was pretty patient, but, you know, fewer pitches to hit lower batting average. And I think I made this analogy in the article. No, I didn't make it in the article. I made this elsewhere for, for something else I wrote. I could see the pre-2019 Chris Davis, which is a really good hitter. Yeah. But, yeah. like, from a fantasy perspective, okay, so 40, 45 home runs, <laughs> lower, somewhat lower batting average. That's valuable. I just don't think it's second-round value. And, it, again, it's, it's quibbling. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I have my note. One of my notes for Alonzo that I typed out was projections are basically Pete Chris Davis. So I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I and you know, if 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 you believe in the power that the power is like 80 grade otherworldly power, and it's not just you know kind of run of the mill 30 to 35 home run power. If it's like Stanton esque power, then your ceiling gets a lot higher. And then I guess that's a justification for taking him ahead of, of these other guys. So, so, so you want to move on to the three starts here? Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about the Astros, but we can save that. I feel like it'll be more interesting in the context of Altuve next week. So we can put a pin in Jordan Alvarez for now. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a fun discussion. So yeah, j- just to let everybody know, um, you know, we 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 t- we have a, in our our Slack at Baseball Prospectus, like we're already discussing, you know, next week. So we're discussing second baseman, and yeah, we we've already had some really intriguing discussions about Altuve and and what to do with him. But we'll we we'll, sh- ta- we'll table that for next week. We should do a dramatic reading of the Slack chat with oh voices. God. No, we should not. <laughs> okay. How dare you under <laughs> Mike Sedino? <laughs> All right. right. So the three star, the the three star tier at first base is Trey Mancini, Reese Hoskins, Shohei Otani. That is just the hitter, by the way. I I know some leagues let you use both. This assumes a league where there's one hitter and one pitcher. Carlos Santana, Edwin Encarnacion, Danny Santana, 
Uh, we'll we'll get to him a, a little bit later in our um, on Patreon bonus coverage. Uh, Chris Davis and Luke Voigt. Um, I, I think last week we we talked about two hitters, each of us. But I I, I kind of like John what we just did before, like sort of the rolling, bouncing back and forth um, from player to player. Um, I actually want to start with uh, somebody who, you know, I I saw a lot of here in Philadelphia in, in Reese Hoskins. So. You know, Reese Hoskins, you know, we, we talked about Bell a little bit and Hoskins is, is kind of a similar player in that, you know, first half he, he was one of the and I think even more so than Bell. And I, I had these numbers up before, like he I think he was like the 14th best hitter. I think it was by OPS or maybe it was like a more advanced metric in the first half. And oh, my God, in, in the second half, I don't know. Did, did you have Hoskins on any of your teams, John? I had him in TGFBI and it was ugly, but. No, he I didn't being actually. Like, he went from being like this amazing hitter in the first half where you know, I was like taking a victory lap and I think I took him in the third round and I felt really good about it to be like, oh my God, like how how do I get this guy off my team? And, <laughs> you know, it, it's tough too because when you draft a player like that, you really can't take him off your team. You're Yeah, so he was, yeah, I'm using the Fangrass metric, by the way, which is bad, but he was 14th by that metric um, in in the first half. And, you know, then then in the second half, he, he was... I'm trying to remember what his op his his OPS was in the second half. I want to say it was like uh, I I got that for you. It was um it was ugly, wasn't six, it? Six seventy nine. I was gonna get six seventy three, so I was I was really yeah, close. close. Well, I, I had the Phillies for the annual, so I, I I spent a lot of time looking at him. So Hoskins, he also he had an injury as well. I think his injury came in in mid August. Yeah, it was August fifteenth. He was hit by a pitch on the hand. But like Bell, as you pointed out, you know, Hoskins was slumping before that. Like it was almost like the, the home run derby caught up to him a year or two late. Like he fell apart in the second half. So I, I got to ask you, like, are, are you, you know, and this tier is, you know, lower. We're, we're now in the hundreds at ADP. Hoskins is 117 as, as we talk to you. Is that too low? Is that too high? Is that just right? How, how do you feel about Hoskins at that price point? Uh I think I feel pretty good. I think I think I I don't I'm bullish on um, a bounce back. It's I knew a little bit about about the injury, but I'd actually like to hear more from you since you were paying more close you know paying closer attention and, and and seeing a lot of the Phillies. Do you have an explanation, or do you can you tell what happened um, when he sort of you know. Hit, hit his uh, slump um, after the first couple months of the season? Well, so th- this is the weird thing about that, is that if, uh, the odd thing about Hoskins, there, there's no easy answer. And everything I've looked at, whether it's like the batted ball distance, the batted ball profile, like the hard hit balls, you know, e- even like the, I, I think, you know, looking at his numbers, he walked a little bit less, but it wasn't, again, it wasn't like it dropped off so much. You're like, okay, swinging at everything. You know, what, one weird thing I noticed is, is that he was kind of making more straightaway contact and like fouling fewer, fewer balls off. So he's seeing fewer pitches, but, but even that's not really a good explanation. So no, I, I don't have a good explanation. I, yeah. I, I, I think my concern with Hoskins is that, you know, if you look at his numbers and, and you kind of look at, you know, what he did in 2017, you know, in 2017, he came up and he he, he just dominated. He, he was ridiculous. And then like 2018, and tw- you know, 2018, he wasn't quite as good. He was good. But people were like, oh, he's in the outfield. So maybe you move him back to first and he'll be better. 
I think my concern about Hoskins is it might be more 2018 than 2017. I, I don't think we're going to see that 2017 version of Hoskins. I think we're going to see a guy who's like a 30 to 35 home run hitter, you know, with a 250 to you know 255 average. And I think that's good. I, I just don't I don't see him turning it up necessarily to another level. No. And, and, so I think the slump was, you know, the slump was not indicative of who he is. I don't think he's finished. I don't think he's going to come out and stink again and have people go, oh, my God, like what, what, you know, what a flop. But I, I, I feel like the, the, the expectations we had for him coming into last year, and he was drafted pretty highly last year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think, you know, I, I don't think that's there for me. Like, well, I, it's, I, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I seem to remember I, that he and Bellinger were kind of a, you know, mm-hmm. would you rather? And wow, that <laughs> there was a very clear right answer to, yeah, to that they, one. They went into they, <laughs> they went in two different directions. And I'm by the way, I'm glad I don't have to write those articles because, you know, it's bad enough looking at a target or a um, void being like, oh, God, like I, I really missed on. I think years ago, like Aaron Judge was my long term avoid, like in the outfield. And I'm like, yeah, that that didn't work out. So <laughs> didn't well. age well, did it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, just to let our listeners know, we, we we're, we're going to talk about Danny Santana more, um, you know, on our on our bonus podcast. Um, but but I do want to talk about him just a little bit here since, you know, and just to kind of maybe whet your appetite. So. What do do you think there's any chance at all that that Santana, I don't want to say repeats those numbers, because as I pointed out in the the article I wrote, you know, a a full season over 650 plate appearances, you're talking 36 home runs, 27 steals, 283 batting average. But but does he do enough? Like I'm looking at his ADP and, you know, his ADP is 123 overall. I feel like that's kind of too aggressive. Like I'm not even the biggest Hoskins fan, but I'd rather have Hoskins. Are people kind of just looking at his numbers last year and, and overdrafting him? I mean, maybe I I look the other way and I did uh, Carlos Santana is my player to for or my first baseman to target and I I think I would rather have Carlos than oh, Danny Santana. You're saying that uh, Danny Danny is overpriced and Carlos yes, is yes Carlos yes, who Carlos, I think is sitting in the 140s 144, or so 144 yeah. And uh, I just don't know. I, I don't know. And, you know, Samuel, you say, save your extensive commentary for the for the after show. But um, I guess I guess with uh, Santana, you know, if he gets the playing time, I believe in the speed. And that's probably the best reason to draft him. Um, you know, I, I I still worry about the floor, given the, the plate discipline, even though there are plenty of players that that's just part of their profile. They're free swingers and that's, that works best for them. Um, but I certainly don't see another 28 home runs. Um, Mm. so, you know, again, I think he, he could end up close to this value, but I just think there's a little too much risk, um, for me in at this current price. Can I issue a very specific Danny Santana warning that doesn't spoil our Patreon show? Yep. And, I, and I brought this up in Slack at one point uh, because apparently Mike thought I needed to know at one point they were discussing Danny Santana in the fantasy Slack. So, of course, I wandered over. There is a real concern that he is going to end up playing a lot of center field this year. So yeah. I, I don't 
JD has said it twice in press conferences, and obviously a general manager talking right now is uh, someone that should be considered maybe not telling entirely the truth, uh, but considering that the way the roster is currently constructed, they have said they want to get him time in center field. They think he can do it. I think they're crazy, but they think that he can do it. So if you're drafting Danny Santana – you're probably going to get him at first base to start, but there's a there's a chance, and I'm not sure this is a positive or a negative, that you may get some center field or slash outfield eligibility out of him. Well, well I, I think, think he already has it. Yeah, he's already he's already outfield eligible, and, and unless you're in a league that has like specific left center right field eligibility, oh, I, I don't I I don't think that'll I don't think well I, that's like a that's like a score sheet or or like a sim thing where yeah. Where that potentially matters. I don't right. know if they would take it away, but if that's if that's a concern at all, you may want to just keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, so my I guess my question in Texas, you know, now we're we're drifting into the outfield, but you know, is is Tavares going to be up at some point? Because he's really the only player I, I see in the majors or minors in their depth chart that would ultimately like infringe on that plan. Cause I, I, I look at the the projected roster, I don't see a center fielder in in Texas besides him, quite honestly. I'll tell you this much, having seen Leody play quite a bit and being in love with him, admittedly, partially, I think if they stuck him in center field right now and he was the opening center fielder, the bat would be rough and you probably couldn't play him on a fantasy way, but he would probably be the best defender on the team. Yeah, that's what, ben, Car- that's what ben Carsley said, too, in, in the fantasy portion of the top 10 for the Rangers. I, I, that was really close to what he said. And I'm, I'm, sure he okay. got, I'm sure he cribbed those notes from you, Samuel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Ben needs to steal from me. That's exactly what he needs to be doing. So quick quick uh, comment before we move off of Santana for now that I just noticed. Mike, do you have the uh, ADP up? I do. Look at his minimum pick. So you think that's skewing things? Is that what you're going to... Well, I don't know. Wow, I'm wondering wondering (laughs) if that's a mistake. So... If this is right, like somebody picked him at the end of the first round as yeah, a 15. 15 that, is, that's, yeah. that's gotta, it's gotta it's be. Lord. Somebody, somebody <laughs> had, somebody probably hit the butt by mistake and, and then sent a note saying, can I take this back? And they're this, like, yeah. Uh, no. They're looking for Carlos and hit Danny instead. And even well, that's I an mean, Carl- Yeah, no, that would be crazy too. It, it's, uh, wow. you know, maybe you're drafting a, you know, 2004 Johan Santana. I don't know. I mean, it is funny because like you look at some of these early picks and there, there's a few, you know, like Yuli Gurriel, like he, someone took him 42nd, Young Jing Ryu, someone took him 45. But I he mean, DJ LeMahieu 16th. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a few like that. But like even so, like that, that's an extreme. <laughs> that's an extreme outlier, to say the least. Um, yeah, we we should move off of this because this is really derivative of of what we're doing. So, who do you want to talk about, John? Uh okay. I guess let's talk a little bit about Chris Davis. Um, I know he was hurt last year. I, I guess I want to bring up Chris Davis because I've seen several analysts tout him as a good bounce back candidate. Like the the assumption is and I don't think anyone's saying this this directly but it feels like the assumption is oh if he's healthy he'll be exactly what he was you know before uh before 2019 and you can bank those 40 home runs and you know the 247 average legendary at this point and I just I don't 
know that I buy that. Um, not not because I don't think he's going to be healthy. I'm just you know it's another year of of aging. I don't know that he has you know a skill set that that you know that where you're going to see growth. And there's I think more of a floor f- for that average than you know the 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 uncanny consistency of several years ago or the several past several years before 2019 um, suggests. So I, I, and I guess what I think about Chris Davis is that if he falls off a bit, then it's a profile that really is not that valuable. Like if he, if, if, because he's not contributing, he's probably not going to contribute at least in runs. I mean, the RBI could be there, but if the average dips down into the two thirties, the home runs dip down into say, 30-ish home runs. And then I think you're looking at like Randall Gritchick or someone. So, yeah, so I think I think there's floor there. So it's funny you say that because, you know, I, I was kind of envisioning his, his projection in my head without looking. And, and I was thinking, you know what, I, I'd probably be betting on like between 30 to 35 home runs and a 230 average. And Steamer has a little higher, like 38 home runs and a 243 average. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Like, I, I think Davis could be fine. I, I, I just don't I, – I, I guess, like, a, an injury where someone gets hurt, like, they're out for a couple weeks, like, or they get surgery, and then, you know, they come back, or, or they they say, okay, well, I got the surgery. Davis is just weird because he had that injury, like, it just lingered all year. And mm-hmm. lingering injuries make me nervous because I don't feel like there's, there's – I agree with you. There, there's just not a guarantee – that he's going to be the 40 home run 247 hitter with a bunch of runs spent. And now it could happen. I, I just don't want to like pay him, you know, like he is. I mean, I will point out his ADP right now is like 185. And I, I think that might be a, a touch high, but it's like, to me, it's appropriate. I don't, I don't feel like he's being overdrafted all that much. No, that's, that's, I think that's fine. I just, it'll, it'll be someone else in the room. I think who yeah. snags him before I do. Yeah, and the and the guy that you know we we kind of talked about a lot in tandem with him, and you know he's right behind him in ADP was Luke Voigt. Uh, and uh, Luke Voigt, I, I initially had at the top of the two star tier, and I, I moved him up. So you know Voigt, and, you know it's funny Yancey Eaton, who you know we all talk about in our podcast, you know we all joke about this. Um, you know, I, I was having a conversation with Jeff Erickson at Rotowire, and we were going back and forth on Voight. And I said, you know, Luke Voigt's going to, you know, he's 29 years old and he hasn't done it in a full season. And Yancey's like, wait, he's he's 29. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing about Voigt, which is I, I he's been impressive for like these six week or two month stretches. And I know he was hurt in the second half and he was playing hurt. That's kind of my question about Voigt, which is, well, he he could be great. And I think the projections are really selling him short. But all that being said, it's like, well, he could also be a hitter who, you know, even if he's healthy, is great for two months and then below average for four. Like, I, I feel like there's just too much of an unknown there with him in that regard. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's uh, it's a profile that I think could easily, you know, he could easily, I know he's hitting from the different side, but, I, you know, it's kind of like the Eric Thames vibe where, you, you when he's at his best it's a it's a pretty productive profile but i feel like like the second half Voigt hit 228 um and yeah, granted it was only 136 plate appearances but the yankees are stacked too so they could they could move off of Voigt. they've got miguel andujar out there without really a position right now 
Um, so I, you know, I again, like at the at the right price, I'm I'm happy to to draft Voight because there's not much of a cost if you have to cut bait um, because I think there is a bit of upside. But I'm not. I, I see the the breathless excitement. Like there are a few a few people in the Slack. I think our our fearless leader was a, a you know a big Void supporter. Yeah. Um, and I I don't feel that that passion about Void. I think he's he's fine, but I don't think you're going to see much more from him um, than what we saw in 2019. Yeah, and I, I I'll just point out to be so the injury I was talking about is he when in the London series he suffered a sports hernia. And he tried to come back too soon. He got back to the States and he struggled. And then they actually sat him and he still kind of looked messed up. The, the, I, I see the injury listed as an abdomen, okay. but it, it was a sports hernia. But, okay. but I guess but I guess my thing about like when I look at Voight. So you were talking about Josh Bell before, you know, Josh Bell had this one big month in May. Uh, for Luke Voight, his one big month is in April. So even if you like take the injury out of it. You know, his May and June, like Luke Voigt was nine home runs, 209 plate, 219 plate appearances, 283 average, no steals. You're kind of looking at a 27 home run, 283 hitter if you look mm-hmm. at those two months. That That's good. But but again, like if, if that's the ceiling and I, I, that I feel like is a more realistic ceiling in a not OBP league, that that's good. It's just not something I'm necessarily going to. Chase and you know he's another one. Like looking at his ADP, I think it's 195. That's fine, but like it, I, I think I, you know, this is my value pick in the tiers. So surprise, surprise. Like I'd, I'd rather have Edwin Encarnacion. I know he's old and boring, and you know, you, you kind of know what you're going to get. But that's the other side of it. Like Encarnacion is like Carlos Santana without the average, at least, at least last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I. Got Encarnacion in a few leagues last year just because he was falling and falling and falling. And, you know, I wonder if the same thing's going to happen this year. But he's, you know, that he's in the middle of a, a great lineup. Um, I mean, at the beginning of last year in draft season, he was still on the the Mariners. So this was before he, he went to the Yankees. But, uh, yeah, I, I think... Encarnacion's a, a huge bargain around pick 200. Like if he falls past pick 200, I'm all over that. Yeah, I think so. he's I think he's moved up a little bit since he's he's signed, and you know I'm I'm pulling that up now, and that that data gets kind of weird because then you're you're skewing sure. the sample. But yeah, I, I think he's I think he's moved up. Yeah, he's like 177 since like the 15th of December. So yeah, he's. I think he's creeping up a little bit, and I think by the time like the you know labor and and all them draft, he's going to be appropriately priced. Um, before we move off this tier, the other guy I want to just talk about a little bit is Shohei Otani, um, mm-hmm. because he's so tough. Because if if you you know it, it's a daily weekly thing with him, right? Like if you're, I, I had him in an Ot new league for a couple of years, and I, I've left that Ot new league, but. He was great the year he pitched and hit because I could use him for both. And it was yeah. such an advantage, like in a points league, to have a, a pitcher like that and a hitter where you're like, oh my gosh, like he he's just lighting up the board every day. Or, you know, they they were sitting him, you know, the day or before and after he pitched. But but that's sort of the problem, right? Like in a in a weekly league, you know, I think this is something else that Erickson pointed out. Like if you can only use him in one slot. You're probably using the pitcher, like you're, you know, if you know he's going to pitch, because because to lose that start, 
as opposed to having like four or five like you know games as a hitter unless it's in Colorado or unless it's a really lousy matchup maybe at Yankee Stadium I I think I want the pitcher like I don't think I I necessarily want the want the hitter and if it's a you know you have one Otani as a hitter one as a pitcher four or five days a week of Otani is valuable but it's not as valuable as a full-time player again in a weekly league yeah it's just so hard to you know value Otani because so much depends on not not only the rules of your league but also the the provider you're playing on because in Yahoo where my main home league is and a couple other leagues he's split up into a a hitter and a pitcher. Um, and that, I mean, I guess what I would say about like the NFBC format where you draft the player and then you have to use him in one or the other. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you use him as a pitcher, that's, you can't in, in NFBC formats, you can't, that's for the whole week, right? That Pitchers is, are not. That is correct. So, so right. just, just to you know extrapolate on what John's saying, if you use him as a hitter, you can, you know, you put him in your lineup Monday, you can take him out Friday through Sunday. NFBC for hitters has like a, a midweek lineup right. change, but for pitchers, you're locked in. Like you, you can't. And I think they did that because otherwise people would really like, you know, mess around with it and you have a bunch of innings and it would kind of skew the way a league. Oh, it would be a mess. And it would be yeah. a mess too. And it, it would also give people like who are paying a lot of attention at the end, like a, kind of a really big advantage. So yeah, they, so yeah, if you, if you put Otani as, as a pitcher, you're locked into him as a pitcher now. Now on Rota, which which supports like Tout Wars and that that's my home league. We actually have it set. They have all sorts of options with him, and we actually have it set up where the person who has Otani can start him both as a hitter and pitcher. Um, I mean, the one thing about that is at the same time, the one thing about that, you know, he has to either like have a reservable pitcher or a reservable hitter. You can't like reserve major league players. So you potentially have to lose a player that way, but like it's a very mm-hmm. powerful way to have him. But that's a pretty unique setup. Like I don't, I haven't heard of anyone else doing it that way. I mean, I guess, I guess what I would say about Otani is to to really monitor what Madden says or, and how he's planning to be used because I just think on talent alone, you know, if if he were an everyday hitter, um, I mean, I think he'd be probably a a first or second round pick with that power speed combo. He's just an amazing player. Um, and mm-hmm. so uh, the, the talent I think is worth investing in, but yeah, in a, in a weekly league, you know, you're, you're, and I think there was a conversation on Twitter not too long ago about, you know, basically saying what you're saying is like, you know, how, how can you justify using him as a hitter? If you know, he has one start that week. Um, so that he he's he's uh, he's unique. He's a special snowflake when it comes to trying to value him. I really like him. I really like the the skills. Um, and I think that if he were getting, you know, if we, I mean, he had four four hundred twenty five plate appearances last year without without pitching. You know, if he were going to get that uh, or close to that, close to four hundred, then I I think I I really do like him in this tier. Um, you know, as a hitter, but then again, that's like, you know, is this format where you, where that is, is split up. So I guess I'm, I'm throwing up my hands, but I, I do like the player a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a great player to watch, but for fantasy, he's a, he's a tough investment. So with apologies to Trey Mancini, I, I think we're going to move to the two-star tier. Um, and the two-star tier, we're going to talk about two players here each rather than go through all of them because it is getting late here on the East Coast. Uh, those players are Jock Peterson, Christian Walker, Eric Hosmer, Yawn, CJ Crone. I mean, this is this is kind of a yawn tier, especially <laughs> when you get to, to Hosmer. Um, Renato Nunez, and then a couple of DH eligible only. This will make Samuel's head spin that he's DH only, but Nick Solak and Miguel Andujar. Um, so, John, I'm not sure who who started last week. I'm, I, I will actually let you start. Is, is there a okay. player here you, you want to talk about first? I'm actually going to talk about your your the player you just mocked uh, in Eric Hosmer. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting that so compare Eric Hosmer to Jock Peterson, and I'm looking, you know, I have your article open, so I'm looking at their mixed value, and they are almost identical. Um, Peterson was nine dollars even, Hosmer eight seventy five. Uh, Peterson has the power, the thirty six home runs. Hosmer only has twenty two. But, you know, he did another enough of the other stuff to get you to that, you know, close to that nine dollar mark. And I just think nobody, nobody enjoys drafting Eric Hosmer. Nobody really enjoys owning <laughs> Eric Hosmer. Good like Lord. it's 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 true. I mean, I'm sorry. No, like it, that is your opinion. That is not a fact. That is your opinion. Every like every year in my home auction, you know, well, we do have a Royals fan, so he's kind of attached to him. But, you know, it's late. It's like late in the afternoon. Everyone's just exhausted. It's like Eric Hosmer, one dollar. And everyone's like, ah, Hosmer. But uh, I I, there's I I actually see the value there. Um, I think there's you know, we forget about runs in RBI. um, And I think he has a chance to I mean, he had 99 RBI last year which is is pretty damn helpful in that so, category. And I think he has a chance to, you know, get close to say 170 to 180 runs plus RBI. And that might, you know, that at this at this point in a draft it might be a, a good idea to to just invest in that. Yeah, so so Hosmer I, I think what he is and and you kind of the nail on the head. So, you know, so Peterson's an interesting comparison because typically what I would say, you know, to that the, the, the downside of Hosmer and, and the, the PFM Bakota values is that, you know, and, and, and we, we skipped over him before, but Jordan Alvarez, for example, like so Jordan Alvarez and Mix earned $4.15 uh, and Hosmer earned eight seventy five. Now, the reason for that is Jordan Alvarez came up in the middle of the year. If Jordan Alvarez had been in the majors all year, you, you would have been fine with that. And in a hypothetical league, you would want Alvarez over Hosmer because you're like, well, I'll take the half, you know, where you can replace him. It's like, yeah, I'll take the 369 plate appearances and I'll put anybody in, in the first half until Alvarez comes up in this, you know, hypothetical retrospective league. And I'll be, you know, I'll be a better team. Like there, there's no logical argument for, you know, Hosmer over Alvarez. And that that's where the, you know, the PFM kind of, to me at least fails a little bit, but, you know, having said all that, Peterson's a weird example because he's a platoon player and you kind of have to keep him in all week unless there's a, a weird week where, you know, the Dodgers are playing almost nothing but lefties and you kind of see that and you're like, OK, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit him because it's like one or two starts and I can do that. 
more real realistically, you know, the Dodgers play two lefties. You're like, yeah, I'm not sitting Jack Peterson because I unless I'm in a 10 team mixed league because I want I want to get what he's going to do on those five other days. And and that's kind of where they're close. And and to your point, having Hosmer in there every day, just kind of grinding it out in a deep mixed league versus Peterson is is kind of a wash. Like it, it's a pretty close comparison so yeah you know when, it, when i say yawn eric hosmer I'm, I'm talking more about shallower leagues i i do agree in in a in a deep mix or an nl only he's underappreciated like people i think don't understand what the the value proposition is yeah and the padres are are getting better not worse um so the i like you know i like the context there um yeah. and i and i also think the point is that uh you you know you obviously can't just take the value in isolation uh some of this depends on your roster construction like if you're deficient in power going to a point in the draft where hosmer is still available then you would you don't want to draft hosmer you'd, you'd rather have someone like peterson but if yeah, you're yeah, yeah. if you're pretty if you're pretty balanced and you're looking for kind of all around you know um production um, and you can sort of say, okay, I'll take a, I'll take a, a, a roster spot that gets me only 20 to well, 20 ish home runs is probably the reasonable projection here. But then I think it's, yeah, I just think it's, it's kind of a zigging while others zag. If you're in a room where everyone is just thinking power late, power late, and not really looking at the full profile of a player. Yeah. And he, he's also the kind of player who, you know, and, and I, it, you, there used to be a time in like your NL only league where you could get Hosmer for, for like eight or nine bucks and people would do what you just described. They would groan and go, oh, gosh, like he's terrible. And you'd laugh because th- this NL only earnings here of seventeen dollars is pretty much correct. Mm-hmm. And, and and you win with players like that in only leagues or very deep leagues where you plug him in as your third corner. People are like, oh, you know, he's he has no upside. And it's like, yeah, I don't need upside. I I need stats. So yeah, it's it's a point well taken. I I think my groaning here about him is, is that, you know, he, he's just boring. Like he's he's not a fun <laughs> player. But you you don't need twenty three fun players to win. And if people are going to if that's where the value edge is, you you should definitely take it. Um. So I I want to talk about Renato Nunez. Um, I, I, I will give you the floor on Renato Nunez. I have nothing to say. <laughs> so, he, so he's one of those players, you know, so he, he came, you know, he was up in, in 2018. Uh, the, the, the A's had no room for him. You know, they, they had Olsen, they had Matt Chapman and, and, you know, anyway, Nunez really wasn't much of a third baseman anyway. And he had hit for power in the minors in 2017, and, and he didn't hit for power in 2018. So, so I think people looked at him as as washed up and you know not very good. And in real life, he's still not very good, but he he managed to hit 31 home runs. And you know, so so it's funny. The other side of this coin about about Hosmer is that you know Nunez is is somebody in in that shallow mixed league I was talking about because there are so many home run hitters. He's kind of right on the periphery in, in a 10 or 12 team league. He's someone who's like, yeah, you know, I could roster him, but I, I might be better grabbing someone else. But I, you know, the funny thing to me is he, his ADP is, is like 268. Um, he's right behind Nate Lowe, who, you know, who, who the heck knows, you know, Lowe is the upside, but who the heck knows if, if Lowe's going to play. Um, and then he's right ahead of like Joey Votto, who, who we'll get to in our, our sand trombone one stars. And, I think he's behind because I'm, I'm I have like the most recent version here. 
Is he behind or ahead of Daniel Murphy? I'm trying to figure that out. On in the ADP. Yeah, in the ADP. Oh, Murphy's like way at Murphy's like way ahead of uh, of Nunez, and you know Mur- Murphy's like been banged up he hasn't even hit for power in colorado i, I i'm not saying to rush out and, and get nunez and you know I, I think there's some slippage coming for nunez too i could see him being closer to like a 20 to 25 home run hitter but baltimore has nobody like he, he's going to play and you know re- really this is sort of the other side of what you're talking about with hosmer like I, i'm not and this is the thing about this tier i think outside of peterson I, there isn't anyone in this tier i'm particularly excited about but that that's who <laughs> these players pretty much are and and to your point john if you're going for the upside in this tier take solak like take take anduhar like take take somebody who if it all works out they're gonna you know exceed their value but if you're in a deep mix and you need production i i think you're you know, that's kind of what you're going for here. Yeah, it's there's there's always some value. You know, it's it's really it's frequently kind of end game value. But just the the terrible teams who are going to trot out mediocre players um, every day. And um, I would I would put CJ Crone also in that category in, in this tier. I don't know if he's he's the the second one you wanted to talk about. So I won't. Talk about him, but yeah, that's uh, you know, I don't have have anything really to add. To I don't even know if is. yeah, I don't even know if there's a second player I really want to talk about. So well, you, you can you can take your second if you want to talk okay. about throwing, you certainly can. Well, I'm gonna keep it short with my second player, and it's Christian Walker uh, for the Diamondbacks. I'm kind of getting Jesus Aguiar vibes here. Like I I just for whatever reason I just don't believe. I'm not a believer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we're looking at end of 2020 values and Seth Beer is the most valuable Diamondback first baseman. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's Kevin Crone. Um, but Walker, I mean, he was pretty good for most of the year, but he did kind of slowly fall off a little bit. Um, I think he's not someone who's I, I see sort of you know, advancing beyond what he did in 2019. And I got no problem with taking him because he has a job now. And then, you know, if, if things uh, go south, you cut bait quickly, but I just, I, I feel a a collapse coming or at least a a steep drop off for, for Walker in 2020. Yeah. I, I I feel pretty ambivalent about Walker. I I think I'm a little higher than you are, but you know, all that being said, there's, there's nothing with him that I I feel like I'm going to go out on a limb and defend him either. Um, He just sort of is what he is. And and yeah, between beer and, and Crone and, and, you know, even, you know, Jake Lamb is, is kind of like, you know, waiting in the wings. Mm -hmm. I I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if that happened, he, he could kind of go, he could go either way for me. And, and that's, that's sort of why he's in this tier because as, as much as maybe there's a little more upside with him than some of these other players, I, I think there's also a little more, more downside and particularly at his, his ADP. Um, so since Samuel's here, I, I, I think my second player, I, I, I have to talk about Nick Solak. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I do. And I know we've, I know we've talked about him before. We talked about him, I think last year when he got called up, but Samuel, what, what, what's the deal? It doesn't look like, you know, Solak has a position, but I, I feel like he deserves one. Like he's, he's a really good hitter and I want to kind of see what he can do. 
So the theory that I'm operating under, and this is not anything I've heard from the organization or or anyone that's told me, I think there's a very good chance that Nick Solak ends up in Nashville to start the season. Uh, if only because I, you're right. There's no, there's not really a position for him. They've, they played him at DH, third base, second base last year. Okay, well DH is Shin Chu Chu uh, until further notice. Uh, third base is apparently the Todd father himself, Todd Frazier, uh, barring Arenado chaos breaking out, which won't <laughs> happen. Uh, and second base is still befuddlingly, <laughs> confusingly, <laughs> uh, unconvincingly committed oh, to Rugnet Odor. Mm. Uh, easy, 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 Samuel. Calm down. I mean, mm. it's just it's next week. We'll do it next week. We have second base next week. Uh, so there's really no obvious starting position for him unless they want to turn him into a, a, a first baseman. Well, and they're going to sign Castellanos too, so that's going to muddy the waters, right? Uh, yeah, that's certainly a possibility at the moment. Like I can't rule it out. I can't confirm it. And he's never played outfield, to my knowledge. So there's a very good chance that he gets he he becomes the 2020 Willie Calhoun winner for major yeah, league bat ready to most major league ready bat that goes to AAA. Yeah, if they sign Castellanos, I, I'm trying to figure out like where he plays because you know as it's you mentioned first, first, first oh he plays first okay he'll, well then, he'll play first yeah. that's that's long been the theory that I, he would be he become the primary everyday first baseman yeah. and unless you move, unless Gallo. you move yeah unless you move Gallo back to first go you know, first but yeah that that's yeah I guess that would be it okay they've already said they're not going to move Gallo yeah I know I know I know I'm just I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Wow, a Calhoun Santana Gallo outfield is is making is making my stomach churn. Well, it, in that outfield, I'd almost want Joey Gallo in center. You know, I, I mean, he's I probably know. the best center fielder on the active 25 man. Probably, yeah. he probably is. Oh gosh. So so yeah, get, getting back to Solak, and you know, we we can groan at the Rangers roster. You know, later, I I do agree with you. I I I think the scenario on the current roster that would make sense if they weren't going to you know sign Castellanos is, you know, Frazier kind of plays third and first, you know, and and he sort of is is in a quasi platoon with Ronald Guzman and and Solak plays third. But I do agree with you logically. I I, I think it makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, I, I see a scenario here where, you know, I'm looking at roster resource, Solak's on the bench. I, I don't see that. He's he's either going to play or kind of be in a super utility role or he's going to start at, at AAA. And I have a feeling that the latter is is more likely. Yeah, I, I think the theory at this point, and again, this is just kind of trying to think how the Rangers think, which is very hard at times, is there's, there's, a, there's just as good a chance that they send him to AAA for the everyday playing time because they're like well we we could play him two or three times a week but that's probably not what they really want to do considering he was playing almost every day when he came up last year there's a i think there's a very decent chance that they send him to triple a and he's playing second base and then uh, about a month a month and a half in uh odor continues to hit my weight or no actually that's too high uh hits his own <laughs> weight and they, they finally <laughs> decided to make the switch and uh, or it, it's kind of hard to predict because the guy you watched him last year and he deserves to be a, a major league hitter or well, at least the opportunity to there's got to come. Yeah. There's got to come a point where, you know, all, all of the Rangers moves this off season have said, and, and they're in a, they're in a tough division to do it, but you know, they're, they're saying we, we want to be relevant in 2020. Yeah. And, you know, at some point you've got to say that, that, Odor is is no matter what kind of financial commitment we have, 
he's he's dragging us down and you got you got to cut bait like i i feel like this is the year where that that decision tips toward you know present um value present production and yeah so i i'm optimistic that solak is gonna end up you know with like three to four hundred major league plate appearances um this year yeah i think i think it'll be up at some point i i just don't know when yeah. There's also this small possibility, and I think this is one to keep in mind also, that the role of Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who played everywhere, first base, third base, second base, shortstop, catcher, even outfield, the super utility infielder, that that Kiner-Falefa is the one that ends up in Nashville because he does have a considerably worse bat. And right. Solak becomes, if Santana is the center field starter, please, for the love of God, do not happen. But let's play that out for a minute. You suddenly need a utility guy because that was Santana and Kiner Falefa, and if the right. choice is Kiner Falefa or Solak, it's not even close. You'll figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that—that's the other thing that I, you know, I, I kind of, and I noticed this last year. You know, with, with teams carrying like you know like thirteen you know hitters on on their roster, you know, it looks like it's got like thirteen and thirteen is what what teams are doing. Like even in the AL, there's that opportunity for that super utility player to get 450, 500 plate appearances. Um, yeah, you know, we, we debated that a little bit on, on second base week with Tommy Edmond and the Cardinals if he's not starting. And, and that that's that's something that that's a little overlooked, which is a, a bench player, you know, now is not what a bench player was even like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think I want to move to the one star tier. So th- this is our, you know, we we do pick... you really do you really want to move to the one star tier? We, we need to have Samuel add like a sad trombone effect before <laughs> we, we do this. Oh, so... that's not that's not nice. So the, the accurate. One... yeah. So so the one star tier, you know, there's only five names to for us to pick here unless you want to go off the board. Uh, Daniel Murphy, Joey Votto. Just just saying that makes me sad. Uh, Justin Smoke, Eric Thames, and Nate Lowe. And, you know, j- just to let you know, you know, there, there were other names here that we, we considered who didn't make it, including Albert Pujols, Brandon Belt, Ryan Mountcastle, Evan White, and Kevin Crone, among others. So, John, who do you, yeah. who do you have in this, this tier? Okay. Do you mind if I, if I do like one half of a one-star player and one half of a no-star player? Uh, you can do adding up to one who 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 cares you could do what you want (laughs) well okay so let's just i mean i feel like in a way this this is deja vu um reminding me of our our buster posey discussion from last week but so joey Votto, um i i don't know what he is at this point i and from the interview um we discussed this earlier you know there was an interview he did with c trent uh Rosecrans in, in um, the athletic and um, the thing about Votto is the Reds are better uh, than they were last year. And when I look at Votto's line from last year, the one thing that jumps out at me is that RBI number is freakishly low. Like I f- that feels like an outlier to me. And so I think even if Votto gives you say 80 runs, 15 home runs, and you know, let's say his average bounces back to the 270s, but that RBI number goes back up to like, you know, 80-ish. Um, I think he's maybe a, you know, makes the jump to a two-star player. Um, yeah, and uh, this this is like the most pathetic sort of touting of a player that I've probably ever heard. 
um, because I'm not exactly, you know, um, singing his praises. But I just I just feel like that that he's probably not going to have a worse year than last year. And so I think just those everyday plate appearances, assuming he stays healthy. And, and the other thing about that interview is he did uh, assert, which, you know, take take it for what you will, uh, that he is fully healthy. Um, I just think you're going to see a little bit of a accounting stat, uh, you know, benefit there. So that's that's Votto. Um, and I'll be real quick about the second player and then we'll hear well, you can, you know, give us your, your one star player. We never talked about in the Slack. I don't think we ever talked about G-Man Choi, but I kind of want to bring him up um, to talk a little bit about the what the Rays might do with the extra 26 roster spot. Because we we were speculating, I think, a couple pods ago that most teams were probably going to add a 13th pitcher or even a 14th pitcher. Um, the Rays roster looks so crowded um, among their position players that – you know, they could be one team that sort of goes for the uber platoon approach. And so the only reason I bring up Choi is if you're in a daily league, um, he's going to be a more than likely a, a, plat- a pretty straight platoon at first base. And he had an 869 OPS against righties. And I think, you know, for, for a daily league, uh, there could be some value there. I think he's just a good hitter. Um, nothing spectacular. But um, I don't I don't hate that uh, in, in a weekly league. Obviously, most Rays are going to be a problem. But I think Choi's a, a nice, you know, last round pick. And if you're in a, a daily league. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point about him. And, you know, I, I do kind of like him. My, my just reticence with him is my reticence with almost all of the Rays outside yeah. of like Austin Meadows and, you know, Willie Adamas and, and Kevin Kiermaier just because of their defense and, you know, deeper mix and only is that I, I just have no feel at all for what they're going to do with their line. I mean, yep. to your point, you're right. Like having the strong side of a platoon is good and it probably makes them undervalued. I, it, there's just so much fluidity there. Um, Samuel, do you, do you have anyone for us here, or are you going to pass? Oh, no, I have somebody for you here. I am going off the board, lads, for my one-star pick. 89 games last year, 11 home runs, and a slug over 500. Who am I? Mm. Well, sil- silence doesn't make for good pos- podcasting, so I'm just going to say that I don't know. Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know. Mike, you should know because my one-star pick is none other than Dominic Smith. Oh, Dom Smith. Okay. Dom Smith, baby. Well, where is he going to play? I'm Uh, guessing the answer is not New York. (laughs) Probably not New York. Uh, That's kind of what I'm banking on here. Look, does he strike out a lot? Yes. Does he hit home runs? Apparently. Uh, Am I concerned about the strikeouts? As someone that routinely worships at the Church of Joey Gallo, I am not. Uh, I think that there's somebody's going to come get Dom Smith and save him from the hell that is City Field and give him and deliver him to the promised land. And that promised land is hopefully 25 home runs and like 80 RBIs in about 120 games. So if if we're looking to take flyers here, I do not abide no. by your list and I will go with the man himself, D-O-M. Dom, you know baby, Dom. You know, you know what's funny um, about Dom Smith is that I'm in a slow draft right now. It's just, you know, it's a 20 team mixed league slow draft. We go like 30 rounds deep and I actually drafted Dom Smith. Um, 
so he he was on my mind and and looking at the strikeouts he he really you know he 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 cut him back quite a bit uh from his first two you know short stints with the Mets so yeah does does he there's really no path for him to have playing time in New York right Mike well I mean he he can't play first base obviously and yeah. you know the the he'd have to He'd have to slot in in a corner and, you know, in the outfield and his defense is is rough there, to say the least. And, you know, Conforto's not going anywhere. So really what it would come down to is like J.D. Davis. Uh, yeah, there's and, you know, at some point, you know, maybe he can wind up in, in left field, you know, there occasionally, you know, maybe Davis like moves over to third, you know, maybe McNeil moves over to second. You know, the, the, the funny and sad thing is that I. I, I look at the Mets and I do wonder if like their best lineup doesn't include Robinson Cano, but really that it's, it's next to impossible to see the Mets like starting to sit him like even part-time. So yeah, I, I don't, unless there's an injury, which, you know, there's always injuries. Well, Mets, you right. know, Waka Waka, like there, I, I just don't see a path. There'll be an injury. Okay. There'll well, be a I trade. Mean, well, I think that I, I think the trade is the more, realistic um path um so i'm i'm going to you know i i try to keep this interesting by not going with the person that i i took in the as my value pick my value pick was justin smoke um and actually jp breen wrote a, a really nice uh long piece on that today you know taping wednesday about smoke and you know J, jp's uh actually it might have been earlier than that, the target piece i'm sorry that was yesterday a tuesday but jp wrote this nice long you know piece about smoke and it, it was very you know well reasoned I, I don't think i need to revisit that so the guy i'm interested in here is is eric thames and i'm kind of interested because his numbers last year were better than i thought they were you know keeping in mind mm-hmm. this is the one star tier I didn't realize he had 25 home runs and, and an almost 250 batting average. I, if you had asked me what his numbers was, I would have said he had like a 230 average and, and 15 to 20 home runs. And you know he's he's moving into a nice situation in Washington. He he should. I don't think it's going to be a straight platoon with Howie Kendrick. I, I think Kendrick is is good enough that he should get most of the at bats. But but Thames should get a healthy chunk of at bats against uh, right-handers. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of going to to look up Kendrick's splits now. Now I know Kendrick is it's kind of silly because he hit like, you know, three gazillion yeah. last year. You know, he was a 327 hitter against righties and a 376 hitter <laughs> against lefties. And you know, he didn't play a full season. He was kind of a, a part timer. He was also a pinch hitter. I think that's my other thing with Kendrick. As as, as great as Kendrick has been, and as much as I believe in him, and I know he's 36, I I just don't see him taking too many at bats for that reason because he, he's old enough and and he's more of that like bat off the bench or occasional starter so so thames is, is an intriguing end game stat for me for that reason like if you're if you're just looking for a, a power play that costs less than you know some of the names in this tier even the two-star tier he's he's the guy to go with yeah and i would just add like you know i was saying about Choi more attractive in, in a daily league too where you have a few bench spots and and you can you know, you, when he's when he's starting against righties, which I, you know, I assume he won't he won't start against barely any lefties. But uh, yeah, I, I've always liked Thames, and I tend to to own him, or I, I have since he came back to the major leagues. Yep. 
So anything else before we um, close out? I got nothing. Thank you for listening to episode 216 of Flags Fly Forever, a baseball prospectus podcast. Uh, I'm glad you were here for First Base Week. Uh, please continue to come to the website at Baseball Prospectus, where we will be talking more about first baseman, and we'll be diving into second base next week. Uh, once again, for me, Mike Gianella, my co-host John Hagland, and our producer Samuel Hale, thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget to uh, check out our, our bonus coverage as well um, on our Patreon Uh, We will be in your ears next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.